Peter Newport is managing editor of Cracks, based in Arrowtown, covering Queenstown Lakes and Central Otago. Morning, Peter. Good morning, Catherine. Well, we've talked about the housing shortage goodness knows how many times. Uh, the Southern Lakes, however, population growth just continues to escalate. I know, 8% in 12 months. I mean, it's, it's a staggering number. Uh, it's not just staggering for New Zealand, where the average growth uh, in our population is around 2%, but we constantly are researching this, and we can't find anywhere else in the Southern Hemisphere that is growing as fast. Uh, this is more than the population of Arrowtown just, just in 12 months. And a local economist, uh, Benji Patterson, has made the point to us that if you are sitting in Queenstown in a room of 12 people, one of those people will be brand new to the district. Uh, so it's 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 an ongoing story, as you say, but there's still no answer to how we cope with growth. And in fact, just this morning, we were asking our mayor, Glenn Lewis, this question. Has he got any plans to try and control growth? And he says, no, no, we want growth. We'll find a way to manage it. What's driving it? Is it internal migration, international migration? It's it's a range of things. Um, we lost 7,000 people when COVID hit. They were mainly the migrant workers and backpackers who were suddenly unemployed. Uh, but it's not um, as simple as those people just coming back. Uh, it's, it's a lot of people who are coming here to work remotely. Uh, that's, that's the big change that's happened post-COVID. It's a boom in new businesses that want to be based here. It's also a lot of people coming here from uh, Asia and South America who see opportunity to uh, grow their careers. You, you'll find in Queenstown lots of people who have come here uh, from, say, Argentina or Brazil, who just are so focused on becoming successful as a manager or a, 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 as an expert owner of a business. So it's it's like booming right across the board. Uh, and, and, and I'm almost feeling guilty that we keep talking about this housing crisis and this or that crisis. But our mayor is saying that he's going to be speaking to our new government as soon as possible to see if they can help. But um, as I mentioned, his approach is... Everybody's welcome, but we have no answers to where they're going to live. It's really interesting to see the Ombudsman uh, addressing some of the behind-closed-doors council workshops. This has been a big issue in Wellington City uh, just in the last wee while as well. How much business is being handled behind closed doors when it is okay and when it's not? What's happening with yours? Mm, I think it's the same as Wellington. Um, I've been following that with great interest. Um, we have some parallels here. In answer to your question, everything. There's nothing that hasn't been workshopped, to use the council's language. Uh, and what we've noticed as journalists, Catherine, is when we come to cover the actual public council meetings, it's all been said. It's all been done. There's hardly anything for us to report on. The councillors have done their deals. They've reached their accommodations. Um, there's, there's nothing left for us um, as the fourth estate to examine or comment on because when we come to the public meetings, it, we're sort of just seeing a rubber stamping at, of something at, at that's stage? been discussed. Let's, let's go into the minutiae of, of local uh, body reporting, therefore, because normally agendas would come out and there would be different um, council kind of um, subcommittees working on things, which is an initial uh, chance to, to catch up with what's going on. 
and mm. then ultimately things process through to a, a, a whole council debate and a whole council vote. At what point is the the openness of that process prior to decision making? At what point is is that breaking down? Well, it, it's all contained within the workshops. Um, you're right. There's a process. Uh, there are reports that are commissioned often from outside consultants. It's what we're finding is those reports are then presented to workshops, which last for many hours. And we've been told by a local council they don't even know if they kept records of these workshops. Uh, so for hours, all of the key issues that you and I have spoken about are discussed. The reports that you've just mentioned are dissected. Where is the public submission process in this? Oh, well, the, 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 we can have up to 1,200 submissions, and they are sometimes published and sometimes partially yes, but, published. But, and what I'm asking but, you is, at what point are they called for? Because there's no point in them being called for after decisions have been made. No. Well, uh, often we find members of our community say that they're called for too late, that they are consulted as the public on a document that may have a range of limited options, but those options have already been filtered by council staff. And then when it gets, when the, the submissions have come in, there may be some uh, public uh, opinion taken into account. But when it comes to a vote in an open council meeting, the, the, the clever thing, if you like, uh, or, or the disturbing thing, is that councillors have three or four options to choose from. And frankly, Catherine, it's usually obvious that option three is the one they vote for. They don't get to debate it. They have to choose one of four options. One is do nothing. Four is do much. Number two is do a little bit. And three is do something as a mix-up of those things. So it's that process, hopefully, that answers your question. That it, I think where it comes from is councils have figured if they go for full democracy, they'd never get anything done. So they believe, I think, genuinely that they're acting in the public interest by taking that decision-making process out of the public eye. But is that democracy? I, I, I think not. All right, let's um, well, actually, let's stay with it for a minute because again, there tends to, there tends to have been in the past a public debate about something that may have been advancing um, privately through officials' reports and other things and subcommittees and everything else. What I can't understand is, are you saying, are you never having meetings where one side is arguing this, a group of others are arguing this, a third group is saying this? And at some point, there will be a vote possibly down the track. Is that not the way the process is unfolding? We're not seeing it. And I think it's because we've had a succession of mayors recently who are saying they're going to bring a business-like approach to council business. And in the view of those mayors, good business practice is to get all that messy stuff sorted out behind closed doors so that by the time it comes to a vote, Everybody's pretty much yeah, aligned. But part of the uh, but part of the messy business is is gauging gub- public views on yes, this. <laughs> and absolutely. what you're saying is that are you telling me that's uh, that, I mean that's legally built into the process, isn't it, Peter? It, it, it is, but as as I say, the submissions are right. based on a council document that is quite late in the process. Understood. It's not it's not early. It's late. Um, now, as I, as I say, I, I know we want to move on, but just to finish, the council staff, I'm sure, believe this is the only way to get things done. But as a journalist, I, I have to say that I've got very deep concerns that this debate is not happening in the public arena. And what has the ombudsman said succinctly? 
well, he's 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 said, forget it. You're not allowed to have these workshops. They're undemocratic. Uh, records need to be kept. The public and media need to be invited. Now, we've been saying for years we want to know what's going on at workshops and our council and I guess Wellington Council, too, have been saying, well, no, it's necessary to have confidential, free and frank discussions. We've now got a list of 86 workshops held in the last two years, which have discussed everything. Uh, that's important. Uh, and there's been no big debate at the public meetings. They've said to us, if we want to find out if records were kept, we'll have to pay a fee because it will take too much time to do that research. So our next step is to ask the council for specific workshop records and we'll take it one step at a time. But it, it will take months, if not years, to start to unravel this. But the Dunedin Council has said they're going to go full open our council says they want to have a think about it. Do we have time to properly do your third story today or should we do it next time, Peter? I've got two minutes. Oh, I, th- I think um, I think next time. We'll pick up next time and do it properly. I, but again, it's more I, on this question of accommodation, right? Yes, and, and just to finish off, um, it goes full circle to where we started. These massive growth uh, pressures. What we've seen is uh, people in Arrowtown and Wanaka building scaffolding structures to show the height that is now suggested for buildings in our area. And the Infrastructure Commission is now saying, well, that's nowhere near high enough. Queenstown needs to build much higher. So we've we've got this monstrous clash of the titans between the area being full, because we've got mountains and lakes, and uh, thousands of people coming here to live. So... Stay tuned. We'll pick up next time uh, on that uh, other matter, Peter. I'm really keen to do it and do it in full. Thank you. Peter Newport is with Crux. Uh, He covers Queenstown Lakes and Central Otago.